0: It's
1: showtime! Welcome to the Disney View Podcast. Your host, Dave, loves to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please move across your row, filling in all the available space. And keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography during the podcast.
0: Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, on today's podcast, I want to go through all four of the Disney theme parks. And the way I'm going to do this, the twist to it, is that I'm only going to use Walt Disney World Transportation to be able to get from point A to point B. (laughs) So this should be interesting. And my feet, of course, uh, because you can walk between caught in the studio so that's certainly an option So the uh, challenge is the um... that the bus service is really at its probably maximum right now it probably does have more but you know essentially because of the way that they run the buses and the fact that there's more resorts and there's more v- vacation clubs and there's more things now they've had to reorganize their bus routes a little bit change things these are really kind of old buses they're old diesel buses um, and so there's a lot of things about them it really puts a burden on the uh, on the system, and uh, you know to keep everybody going every 15 to 20 minutes is a challenge. So I wanted to check it out and see how it kind of works out for me today. So there you go. We'll we'll uh, see how it goes. My first park is going to be Epcot, and uh, I'm starting off in Epcot, and um, I'm going to go around the park, and then we'll uh, we'll have some fun. Okay. So I, uh, I'm over in Epcot today, and most of the turnstiles are actually the uh, the new MyMagic uh, turnstiles. And uh, I went up to one, scanned it, didn't work. The lady looked at me, and she goes, okay, let's try it again. She has me uh, put my uh, put it on there again. She does something on her little remote pad and uh, goes again and spins. So she tells me I'm going to have to go talk to the lead. And uh, I, talk, I talk to her. She's not really talkative. I go, so having trouble with the system. And she just smiles, taps, 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 taps on her iPad, taps, taps, taps on her iPad, taps, 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 taps on her iPad. And then she goes, okay, you're good to go just hands it to me. I'm like, really? <laughs> That's what it took? Okay. Just kind of strange, but um, it works. So I'm down here by Spaceship Earth, and this area is fairly crowded. Uh, there's a lot of people coming and going into the park. Uh, so I'm going to head over and uh, head to a further part of the park uh, first, and then work my way backward.
1: Sorry. Excuse me, guys.
0: Now, as I've talked about before, one of the cool things about coming to Epcot early is the fact that you get to walk around with very few people here. And if you start off by coming through over by the International Gateway, you can kind of come over by the England pavilion, the UK pavilion, and there's really nobody here. And then as you kind of wander back toward the front part of the park, there really aren't so many people there yet either. Now, of course, the attractions like Soarin' get kind of crowded anyway, but you can still kind of enjoy it and really do something fun and really have limited crowds early in the day. So I couldn't help but notice when looking at the upcut map that they turned the entrance to the side instead of being at the bottom. I don't really understand what the rationale is for that. It's always been at the bottom, and it makes much more sense to me to be at the bottom. I think they did it so that north was up. I'm not sure, but that uh, that would make kind of sense, I guess. But it doesn't really fit in. And then again, stylistically, the design doesn't really work exactly. It shouldn't be more. It should be more stylized and less map-like. But they did what they did, and I guess they'll change it at some point. So I'm wandering through Interventions, and I have to say that this is actually kind of cool. I've never spent much time in here. I'll I'll admit. I tend to go for the other rides and the attractions. But um, Interventions is actually kind of neat. They have some very interesting little exhibits and different displays of things that you can play around with uh, and kind of test it out. It's um, like part science museum, or kids' science museum anyway, and part uh, maybe um, attraction type stuff. So it's really pretty cool the way they've set it up. And uh, you can wander around and do some different things. You can wander into the, into the uh, vision house and see uh, things that are going on there. You can try the, uh, the limits on uh, breakability of things. You can try the sum of thrills, which is a uh, roller coaster uh, uh, simulator. You build a roller coaster and then you, uh, then you get inside this vehicle and it simulates it for you and I guess it gives the view inside. Uh, it looks really cool, actually, because you can do that. I mean, I think that's a really clever idea. All of these things, to a large degree, existed in the original Amunet back when Eschop uh, first opened. It's just that they've changed over things have changed so much over the years that you uh, you really don't have that reference point to it anymore. But you had a roller coaster simulator. It was a two dimensional roller coaster simu- simulator. You would put together a, uh, a bunch of track and then it would uh, it would simulate it in two dimensions, and you look at the you'd look at it and it would show you the viewpoint from from two D, but you didn't have the three uh, D viewpoint to look at. So it's really pretty cool um, that they have this, and then the, um, the you know, even some of, the, uh, some of the exhibits here, you know, you talk about energy and how much energy you use, and talk about communication and those things, that's what it was all about. So in a way, it's kind of been restored to a glory, it's similar to what it was before, and uh, I'm kind of impressed by that, I'm, you know, I, I think it's actually pretty cool that they've kind of brought it back, now that I'm actually spending some time in here, and, uh, you know, I think it's worth a visit and uh, take your kids through it and spend a little time. And, you know, like I said, it's almost, it's, it's like part Science Museum. You can spend a little time in here and just poke around a little bit and, uh, and see what it feels like. It's really pretty cool. Uh, I'm just totally, um, totally impressed by what they've been able to do here over the years. Like I said, I've wandered in here at times and looked around a little bit, but I've never really spent any time in here uh, where I actually uh, went through the different exhibits. And the reason is I'm usually passing on to something else or whatever, but uh, today I'm spending a little time in here and playing around with it because I have a little time to do, to do that. So while here in Epcot, I took the time to ride Soren, of course, went over and checked out Rio del Tiempo, and uh, made my way around a couple of different pavilions. Rode on the uh, Norway ride, of course, because that's always fun, and uh, just kind of wandered in and out of little shops and had some fun with it. Uh, it was a really pretty good time. I, you know, I enjoyed myself just kind of wandering around Epcot. Epcot's just fun. It's you know, it's just nice. It's pleasant. Um, there's a certain feeling about the countries that's kind of lost to history to a degree. But uh, it's still there and uh, you can still experience it and still experience a lot of different cultural things that you might not otherwise, otherwise see. I mean, I love the fact that they've, you know, they themed all these and they're representative of their own countries. And as I say, every time I come here, I'm always awed and inspired by the, uh, the work that went into actually develop, developing them so they look right. Oh, and of course, I'm chowing down now on an ice cream bar, a Mickey ice cream bar, of course. Because what other thing could you have? It's like the best treat you can have when you're at Disney World, in my opinion, anyway. All right, and here's my funny story for the day. We wind up going over to Ellen's Energy Adventure. And, you know, the show itself, it's, it's kind of clever, maybe a little dated, but, uh, you know, not too bad. And you got to love the technology of the ride and, you know, the way it works and that sort of thing. And even if it's, you know, maybe not as current as it could be, it's still pretty good. Um, maybe not great, but pretty good. And the dinosaur section at the beginning is just fantastic. So anyway, we're in the ride, and uh, we're in the last uh, seat of a car, and there's a maintenance guy behind us. So if you've ever been on the ride, you know the spiel. They go through the, the, uh, the talk, and they tell you, well, during the ride, it's a 37-minute ride. You can't get up. If you do it, stops the whole ride. And uh, so we go through the most of the ride, and all of a sudden, the maintenance guy, when we go into the last room where Ellen is uh, going through and answering the uh, final question... Uh, we're sitting there, and the guy gets up and he leaves. The maintenance guy he gets up and he gets out of the car, and then walks out and goes through a, a door on the side and uh, exits the attraction. And then, like maybe a minute later, there's a power surge and the power goes out and the emergency lights lights come on in the building. And it's like, wait a minute, what's the story here exactly? And so we were goofing around that maybe the the maintenance guy you know had stopped the ride because they give you the the long the uh, long spiel about well if you get up from the uh, from the attraction and try to get out it's going to stop the whole ride and everyone will have to evacuate. Well, and here we were, all of a sudden, they tell us, hey, you're going to have to evacuate. So we're sitting there, and we're kind of kind of musing about it, and for a few minutes, we're just kind of uh, waiting for them to reset the ride, because they're trying to reset it first, uh, and then they uh, decide that they're going to uh, evacuate the ride. But uh, it actually turns out that the power surge did uh, shut off the power to the ride, and they had to, uh, to reset it, and it was going to take a while to come back up. So we did wind up exiting the ride, but not before they started reshowing the video. The part of the power had come back on, and the video itself had come, ba- had come back. And this was the end part where Ellen is um, talking about petroleum and whatever. And uh, they get to the end, and she goes back on Jeopardy, and she answers the questions. And they had just gotten to the final Jeopardy question, and it stopped. And the host who was in the room with us goes, so do you guys want to know how it comes out? And he tells us the answer. Then they play the film back because they have to and he's mouthing the words. He's telling us what they're saying on the screen because there's no audio. He's going, oh, hi, hi, hi. He's just making, just doing the, the uh, dialogue. It was really, really funny. It's one of those moments. It doesn't happen very often, but you just kind of laugh about when stuff happens and you go, okay, that's pretty good. So that was my funny story for the day. I thought you guys would appreciate that. So here's a fun fact about Epcot's future world that you might be interested in. The, uh, the future world is divided into two halves. There's the eastern half that includes things like uh, the universe of energy and used to include horizons and so forth. And then the western half that includes the land, the uh, living seas, and uh, the imagination pavilion. What you'll notice is the uh, the differences in the buildings. Things are a little more curvy on the western edge. And on the uh, eastern edge, they have a little bit more angular lines. Now, there are some exceptions, of course, on either side. But if you also look at the uh, the pavilions themselves, what they represent is a little bit more thinking and critical on the eastern side and a little bit more conceptual on the, on the western side. And what does that represent? It represents both sides of the brain. So that's what the Imagineers had in mind when they started building it, was to create something that kind of represented both sides of the human mind in, as part of what the experience would be. So think about that the next time you visit the parks. So one thing I would say here at Epcot is the bus terminal is big. It's bigger than I remember it. Uh, there's a lot of bus terminals here, so I'm going to have to check the chart to see where I go. Disney's Animal Kingdom is number 7, it looks like. Okay. So will find number 7 and we'll go there. Okay. Wow. Just, uh, it's just a lot bigger than I remember it. Uh, but that's totally cool if they're going to rely on this as the primary mode of service to get around to different places. Okay, so that wasn't all bad. The wait time for the bus was about 11 minutes, and then the ride over was about 15 minutes, so uh, that wasn't that wasn't a bad wait at all. Uh, I do notice a lot of the uh, bus routes are under construction. They're still doing a lot of work on a lot of stuff, so there's still things happening here. Um, and something I've heard around is that uh, they're starting to buy up uh, municipal buses uh, as quickly as they can to make sure that they keep their fleet in operation, so... Um, interesting how Disney has, uh, has taken an approach to this to making sure that the buses become the primary source of transportation, the primary mode to get around through everywhere and uh, make sure that everything stays and remains running. And one of the fun shows to see is Finding Nemo the musical. So I want to sit in and watch that show today. take a little pause. Shaps are not our friends, Nemo. Haven't you seen jaws? They don't want to meet a swordfish. You don't want to meet a whale. I want to meet a whale! Put giant puppets and the way that the uh, performers who are doing the puppets become the characters. It's really really clever. If you've never seen the show I highly recommend it. It's worth sitting in on and just watching. Uh, I think it's my second favorite show in the animal kingdom behind the Festival of the Lion King which I also love. Uh, so I would, I would recommend you check them both out if you're ever over here. That was really fun seeing the uh, Festival of the Lion King. <clears throat> now the, uh, the next big thing is they're moving the Festival of the Lion King over to uh, Africa. And uh, that'll be happening over the next few, I guess, months, maybe within the next year or so. Uh, They've already started construction on an area that's right behind where the uh, Tusker House is in Africa. And they'll be putting the uh, Festival of the Lion King over there. Whole new show with an enclosed building. Now, like I've talked about before on this podcast, the uh, show building that they had created for the Festival of the Lion King was still a temporary show building. Uh, They hadn't intended to keep the uh, Festival of the Lion King there. So remember some of the stories that, Disney's, that we've talked about with Disney having thought about different uh, elements to put in, uh, in the uh, animal kingdom. One of the things they talked about was a beastly kingdom. And it's sort of an extension on some of the ideas and thoughts that go around with uh, villains and things like that. But more, more extensive. And I'll have to do a podcast all about the history of that. But kind of going in that same line that we talked about before. So you've got that piece of it. Now you've got uh, this other one um, where they're actually thinking about moving it uh, over to the other location. But as they move it, they'll, uh, <clears throat> they'll actually be putting a, a permanent show building. So the temporary show building they built was uh, just an outdoor theater that they were just going to keep in there until they decided what to do with the land over there. And then they p- built the character greeting trails because they wanted to have a way to meet Mickey and Minnie and use some of the space that they had available there. Because they had a lot of space available and they weren't using it for anything. So they uh, made it that. So so now they've moved the character greetings out and they have them greeting in different places in the park. And uh, they're moving the Festival of the Lion King. So speculation is that they're going to put something else in that land. Now, what goes in there? Who knows? Uh, This was the speculated spot for Avatar Land most recently. Now, whether Avatar Land actually comes to fruition, who really knows? I talked to someone who may be a little more knowledgeable who was suggesting that... Maybe Avatar Land is just a, a ruse of a sort. It's a way to keep uh, James Cameron from signing a deal with Universal uh, so that he doesn't put something out there. So that way they can kind of keep him in check for a couple of years, and then once all the movies are released, you know, Bob Iger retires, and who knows what happens to it. So I really don't know if there's any truth to that, but it's an interesting theory, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Sorry. So one of the really fun places to eat is at the Flame Tree Barbecue. Um, there's just something, the food is actually really good, It smells good, and it's pretty tasty. And then uh, what you got to love about it is the fact that you can sit out over the water. It's sort of an oasis in a way, where you're away from the beaten path. You go to the one of the farther tables, or the farther pavilions. You can really kind of kick back and relax and enjoy it. And just enjoy the view and take in the fresh air and, and just have some fun. It's one of my favorite places to eat on property, just for that reason. Now, for those of you who know me, you know that I'm a fan of, like, everyday magic instead of limited-time magic. So, I'm sitting here eating, and I'm enjoying myself, and all of a sudden, one of the cast members walks up to a table sitting next to me, and there's a young boy sitting at the table. She goes, I understand it's your birthday. I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, and she gives him a little cupcake and a little card, and it was just very sweet, and it was just one of those moments. And he's beaming from ear to ear. He's just grinning, and the mom was really happy, and the dad was really happy, and it's just one of those moments that you think to yourself, now, that's what magic is really all about right there. It was an unexpected surprise, but he got to enjoy it. He'll remember it, and he'll tell his friends, and that's where it builds. That's how Disney really builds that specter and really becomes something greater than just a theme park. So I'm leaving the Animal Kingdom now, and my next stop is going to be the Magic Kingdom. I'm going to do it in that order. So Magic Kingdom, here I come. Okay, so the bus terminal here at the uh, Animal Kingdom is fairly big. Um, it's off to the side, and uh, so let's see where we need to go to be able to get to the Magic Kingdom. Let's see what's, what it says. Okay, so we got the All-Star Explorers What did you do? Epcot. Okay, Ticket and Transportation Center, Gateway to the Magic Kingdom. All right, so we could get there. Let's see what else we could do. Okay, so I could take the... Um, 14 bus and get to the Ticket and Transportation Center, which would then mean I have to get from the Ticket and Transportation Center to the uh, Magic Kingdom. So I'll have to take the monorail, or um, maybe I could take a bus from there, or the the, uh, ferry. But that might not be my best choice. A better choice to kind of meet up with what I'm trying to do today may be to go to number two and go to the Contemporary, and then go from the Contemporary and walk across to the uh, Magic Kingdom. So then I would uh, actually meet up with what I'm doing and not riding any other form of transportation today. So I think I'm going to do that. I'll go to the Contemporary and uh, get there that way. So that'll be Bus Terminal 2 today. Okay. Well, as luck would have it, the bus was waiting for me when I walked up, so no no issues there. I'm able to easily get over to the uh, Contemporary Resort and uh, be able to get back to walk over to the Magic Kingdom. So the total trip time was about, uh, oh, about 15 minutes or so to get there. Uh, So now I can just uh, take a quick walk. Here we go. So let's take a look at the Magic Kingdom's map. Yep, it turns out that that one's actually got the entrance at the bottom. But again, the stylization is kind of missing. I know they go through cycles when once in a while it's a little more stylized and once in a while it's a little more map-like. Right now it's a little more map-like. And it's a little disappointing because it's a little harder to follow. It's a little harder to figure out where you want to go. I thought their stylization was one of the coolest things that they did. Where they actually put the maps together and they kind of show you different points of interest and it's laid out in a nice easy to follow format sometimes it's even color coded to make it really easy to say hey i'm here i want to get to here It just doesn't feel that way with the current maps and i'm kind of a little disappointed by that but i guess it is what it is and they'll have new maps that come out again probably next year anyway they have them about once a year or so that they modify them so of course as i was wandering around the magic kingdom i had to stop in the emporium there's just something about that store, maybe because I lived it, I breathed it every day for the period of time I was there. And it kind of gets in your soul a little bit. Once you're a cast member, you are kind of stay a cast member. You always have that in the back of your mind. And it was kind of interesting to just walk through there and kind of look at some of the merchandise and be standing near the cast member doors and kind of look down the hallway as the cast member went through. Look, I would never go through the doors, don't get me wrong. And be able to see, you know, some of the things that I remember. You know, there's the hallway and there's the uh, the leads office and all the other things that you might see there. And it was really cool to kind of just take a little trip down memory lane as I stood there. Oh, I remember that. I remember where that goes. Oh yeah, that's the that's the one that goes to the utilidor. Sure, you know that kind of stuff. And it's just it was just kind of fun. And then just to chat with a couple of cast members for a minute and reminisce about having been there. It's um, it's kind of special. Like I said, it kind of gets in your soul a little bit. You just remember being it and. I can remember being a cast member and loving that job, you know, the hours stunk, the pay wasn't so great, but the job was great and there was just something special about it. And there are times that I really miss it. Now, I don't want to go back and do it again right now, but there are times when I sit there and think about it and go, wow, I remember what that was like. I remember everything about it. And uh, it just kind of, you know, it's funny because it's part of who you are. When you make the decision to be a cast member, it kind of sticks with you. It's really interesting. I don't know, I can't even explain it. It was just sort of a little trip there where I was like, that's really cool. Okay, I admit it's very subtle, but I did notice that the background music on Main Street has changed a little bit. It's a little more peppy or jazzy or something like that. It's not quite the same music they were playing all the time. It's just a little bit different, and uh, it's it's noticeable to me because I worked in the Emporium for a while, and you get to know all the Main Street music pretty well because it just plays over and over and over. But it's just a little bit different. It's pretty much the same, uh, same songs, just different orchestrations on the songs, the way they've set them up. So... just saw the monster Inc. laugh floor and uh, two things number one I found a hidden Mickey in there I hadn't ha- found before it's actually um, right as you go into the uh, holding area in the pre-show if you look to your right there's like a view of Monstropolis and one of the buildings there has a little Mickey on the on the front of it so it's kind of uh, cool to check out and of course you can use my hidden Mickey's app to uh, to go and look at the all the hidden Mickeys that one should be out there just having a little trouble loading it have to look into why but uh, it should be out there and you should be able to, uh, to see the hidden Mickey. Kind of a cool thing. Now, the second thing is, as we were uh, watching the show, it was the strangest, quirkiest show I've ever seen, because nothing, basically nothing went right. They had three people that they selected out of the audience to do different things, and all three of them were just, like, terrible. You know, not going with the jokes, not going with the flow. Um, you know, the first guy it was, you know, the... the um, uh, the guy came out to, to do the mind reading, and he goes, I think of a number between 5 and 42, and he goes, 42! He goes, well, how about keeping it, you know, saying it uh, softer? And it just kind of went downhill from there, and they finally just cut him off, and that was the end of that. Then they had uh, two kids they selected out of the audience, and each of them screamed into the microphone, and they had to cut them off too. It was kind of weird. I've never seen that happen. I've, been, I've seen the show a number of times, and I've never seen that. But it was kind of funny to, to see it as it as it happened. Uh, you know, to experience something like that that I've never actually experienced before. wouldn't you know Luck was on my side a second time uh, I was actually coming out of the uh, uh, Magic Kingdom and was walking down to the uh, area where they have the buses there and saw that they have a bus right to Hollywood Studios and the bus was just pulling around the corner I could see it and I'm like perfect so I just jumped in line and was off so I had to wait maybe you know like 30 seconds a minute whatever and it's a relatively short trip from the Magic Kingdom to the Hollywood Studios, just a few minutes. So now I'm over at the Hollywood Studios to finish out my uh, my four-park adventure. Yay! Fun times, i got to tell you. And doing it this way was kind of interesting because I was able to get fairly easily from one point to another and fairly quickly and get in all four parks in a reasonable amount of time. Now, had I wanted to spend longer in each park and see more things there, it would have turned out a little differently. But for the most part, it turned out really great. I was able to do it fairly simply, fairly easily. It was easy to get around. And I have to say that uh, several of the apps that are available, the old Disney Parks app, had a means to just look up the uh, the routes, which made it kind of easy. Not that you couldn't just look at a signboard, of course, but just made it really easy and convenient. Now, there are also a couple of other apps that are out there that are not Disney-sponsored uh, apps that I think actually do a better job of keeping track of the same information. It's a little more convenient. Disney's is more about the marketing pitch instead of being just about the information, whereas some of these other sites, um, they do a little bit more informational-based. So. You know, it's really up to you which one you prefer to use, but that was just my preference as I looked at it. I was like, oh, that's a little better. I think I'll use that one. Um, but pretty cool, so I'm here. I'm at the uh, Hollywood Studios. Now, today happens to be Star Wars Weekend, and you've heard about the uh, Star Wars Weekend on a previous podcast. Uh, so today I'll just be filling in part of my four-park ad- four adventure. So at one of the studios, they're doing the legend of Captain Jack Sparrow. And uh, I've read some reviews of this, and they're not too kind. And actually, I had seen The uh, chronicles of Narnia show or exhibit or attraction or whatever you want to call it in the same location. So I'm going to go in and see the uh, legend of Captain Jack Sparrow and tell you what I think. Yeah, my thought on this show is pretty much like everyone else's. It's hard to believe that they put something together that was this bad or this mediocre anyway. It just has no substance to it and it's kind of lacking something and it's kind of disappointing. It's really too bad because it looked like it had some potential. It certainly has some potential and there's some clever things they do. But overall, eh, nothing really great. So as I walk along through Pixar Place, I can't help but notice the um, old buildings that are now part of the show building for the uh, Toy Story Midway Mania. And uh, part of them are, part of them aren't. But uh, they uh, used to be uh, actual studios. But they're not anymore. They're not used anymore. I suppose at least one of them might still be a studio that could be used if they wanted to. In In a pinch, they could probably put it into service. But they're really not studios anymore. And they used to be a long time ago. That was kind of the point. And that reminds me. I have to do a whole podcast about the uh, studios and how the studios were, uh, were developed and some of the history of that. So we'll do that another time. I always love going into One Man's Dream and spending a little time in there. It's worth a few minutes of your time just to spend in there. The more time you spend, the more treasures you uncover. Of course, there's the standing displays where there's some history things from Epcot and some old anim- audio animatronics and the old board. They used to use the programming. But there's always a rotating series of different things that show up in there. And those things will represent all kinds of different uh, pieces of Disney history. Uh, I've seen a lot of different things in there over the years. Most recently, there's a diorama of Granny's Little Cottage that Walt Disney constructed himself. And it's actually, the the thing about that is it really inspired Disney on how he wanted to do three-dimensional storytelling. You know, you see these, you see these, you see kids all the time who make different Uh, models of things. They make a diorama of something. And it's a three-dimensional model of something that represents reality. So you can look at it from different angles and, and view it that way. And Walt took that idea and expounded on it. He's like, look, if I could have people walking through it, what would it look like? If I have people walking around it, what would it look like? If I'm looking from this angle, what does it look like? If I'm looking from here, what does it look like? So he sculpted up a lot of things in 3D and then started working with them. And that was the genesis for what he started doing when he, when he started developing Disneyland, was to build these 3D models and representations so he would know what the viewpoint looked like. Late in his life, um, the Imagineers were working on uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean for Disneyland. And that was the last interaction that uh, Walt oversaw in its entirety through installation. And so what had happened, uh, a bunch of the uh, guys had gotten together, and they had come up with a, a series of different vignettes they wanted to show, and they built up these 3D models. And then what they did is they put Walt in a chair, and they rolled him down as though he was on the boat, looking at the model so he could see the same perspective that people on the boat might see. And it made it kind of fun, because that way you could really follow along and, um, and see the whole story being told in that way. So it was really pretty neat, and when you see it uh, going that way, uh, you can kind of fit it together and understand the whole picture of how it works. So that's actually, uh, that's one of those things that, that really kind of speaks to me you see the, his original 3D concepts because it really does give you a picture of who he was and what he was trying to build. One thing about Star Wars Weekend, if you do come out, it tends to get a little bit crowded. In fact, I had to wait in line in the actual queue for, for the Muppet Vision uh, show, which is kind of funny because they haven't used that queue in forever. Uh, so this is really cool because we get to go along and see all of the... Uh, the cool artwork that's uh, buried among all the pipes and you can go along and have some fun as you're, uh, as you're in the queue. So if you do happen to come here and get to see it, it's really pretty neat. They painted all the pipes and they've done some artwork up in it that's really worth seeing. Um, most people don't ever get to see that because they usually don't use the queue, it's a walk-on attraction. But today there's a little bit of a wait. Now as you exit Muppet Vision, just look right. And you'll see uh, Phineas and Ferb doing uh, a meet-and-greet out there. And you can see Ducky Momo and Perry the Platypus is hiding up on the uh, woodwork up there. That's always kind of cute. It's fun to get your uh, picture taken with uh, Phineas and Ferb. I know what we're going to do today. And so ends my night at the four parks expedition that I did today. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed coming along with me and going through the four parks. Now, I will tell you that uh, the order of the parks is entirely random. And there's a lot of factors that go into the randomness of it. What events do you want to see? If you want to catch an attraction that has a long wait time or you want to get a fast pass for it and come back later, you need to get there kind of early, especially for, like, Toy Story, Midway Mania or Soarin'. Those uh, tend to fill up pretty quickly, and you want to get to those early. That's why I picked uh, Epcot to go to first this time. Now, I didn't ride Toy Story Midway Mania this time, but then, last time I was here, I rode it, uh, what was it, two or three times in a row? I can't remember now, because I got there when they opened, and I was able to just cycle around a couple of times. So this time, I changed it around and went in a different order. So it really depends on what you want to do and what things you want to see. Also, the park you end with is really dependent on what shows you want to see in the evening. You've got Fantasmic, most times, over at the Hollywood Studios. You've got Illuminations over at Epcot. And you've got uh, the Wishes Fireworks Show over at the uh, Magic Kingdom. Now, on this trip, I actually was here long enough that I saw Wishes the first night, saw Illuminations the second night, and then the third night I actually stayed around for the Hyperspace Hoopla that's the Star Wars show. So that was my main reason for picking the studios as my uh, fourth park of the day. But you may have other reasons why you want to pick different parks. Remember, too, that the easiest one to get in and out of is the Animal Kingdom. Uh, While there are a couple of attractions, like Expedition Everest, that tend to fill up a little more quickly and they're harder to ride on so people generally tend to get there kind of early and the park closes early so it's a lot easier to kind of get in and out of there in the middle of the day so you don't necessarily want to do that one first but you could if you want to so it's really up to you, Uh, you know, the order is really something that you may like uh, the the parks you want to see, pick the things that you want to do and then head to those things first and make sure you get them in and that's really what it's all about well now that I've completed my adventure I'm actually walking back to Epcot from the studios And I'll cut through the Epcot uh, grounds, and then I'll go out to the car, which is in the main parking lot, and I'll head out. So that's it. Well, I hope you enjoyed my podcast this week. And remember, as always, if we can dream it, we can do
1: it. Bye now. Show number 146. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. Now, please exit the moving podcast. The walkway is moving at the same speed as your podcast. Kindly take small children by the hand and watch your head and step. If you have questions, thoughts, or would just like to ask Dave a question, please send an email to Dave's Disney at gmail.com. You can always find Dave's Disney View on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. The show notes for this podcast can be found on Disney Podcast.net. Original music you hear in this podcast is courtesy of. Sound A Music. You'll find a link to the latest Disney-related autism awareness event on the show notes page. We also encourage you to check out Dave's iPhone apps. There are a couple of Disney-related apps, including a Hidden Mickeys app and a pin trading app.